Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. Before I jump into the message here this morning, I wanted to send a big special thank you to everyone who uh, reached out to me, my family. Um, uh, Me in particular, during these last couple of weeks, I've had a a trying uh, couple of weeks here with my surgery last week. Um, Man, the well wishes, the not just the birthday wishes, but also the, um, the I had a for those of you that don't know, I had a surgery, minor surgery on my sinuses last week, and um, I was kind of in and out really quickly last Sunday. Uh, some of you saw me, and then you were like, where's Pastor Tony? Where'd he go? Uh, I wasn't even supposed to be here, <laughs> um, but I-, I could not stay home knowing that I could. Listen, if I can go to Applebee's the night before because my family and I went to Applebee's, I could show up to church on Sunday morning, and I, I took my own, a little bit of my own advice, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go, even if I'm not 100%. I was so blessed to be with my Freedom family. Thank you, all of you that sent me a text message or a Facebook message uh, and told me that you're praying for me and, uh, and praying for you. I'm not 100% just yet. I'm getting there. Um, the surgery and everything went well. The doctor with my uh, follow-up said that everything looks good. We're just hoping that everything heals properly. And that hopefully I get better airflow. How many know that breathing is good? Anybody breathing? I heard reading is fundamental. I heard breathing is fundamental too. So that's important. Uh, and so I, I hope to be able to, uh, to be able to breathe a little better. And that's been an issue for me for some years now. And I'm glad to be able to hopefully get out from under that. So thank you in advance for your prayers. Uh, and actually post everything. Thank you for your prayers through all that. So... I want to dive into the Word of God. Who believes the Word of God is real, active, and sharp? Anybody believe that today? Come on, how many of you guys excited about the Word of God? Yep. I'm excited to be back. It's been a few weeks. Some of you are like, where did Pastor Tony go? And uh, I'm here. I'm here. Um, But I'm excited about this thought. Let's admit something together right from the beginning, right from jump. And from the start, if we're honest with ourselves, we all fall short spiritually from where we think we should be at this point in our lives, maybe. Maybe if we're honest with ourselves, uh, most people will find it difficult to say, you know, I'm everything I thought I would be at this age. There's a few of you that are. You're just amazing individuals. And I'll pat you in the back for you just so you could feel better, just encourage you. But if we could be honest with ourselves, uh, I think most of us would say, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm at a good place with the Lord, but I think, I think there are times I've fallen short and, and I feel like I can be closer to God. I think most of us can be, if we're honest with ourselves, we can say, you know, I can be, I think, a little closer to God right now than I am Uh, But I really don't know how to get there, and I really don't know what to do to kind of catapult me. And that's kind of where I'm going with this morning as I I begin this message. What what if I told you today that you can come to a place where you can feel confident, 
without losing humility? What if I was to tell you that you can come to a place where you trust God and still trust that you are being able, uh, you're being you're being used and you are able to be used for great and marvelous things. I would tell you this today, that if you are in this place and you're hearing my voice, I want to tell you, if you pay attention to what I'm about to share with you today, uh, I believe that God could really begin to resurrect something within you that would, would begin to move you in the direction to be used by God for his glory. And I think most of our prayers would pray something like that. Is that right? God, use me for your glory. God, use me so that I could be a vessel in your hand. You see people up here that are being used all the time, but it's not just up here, whether it's Pastor Alicia or or Pastor Corey or any of these musicians, uh, you know, people on the, on uh, all of you that, that serve in some capacity, God is using you. If you're not being used, begin to say, God, what can I do to be used by you for your glory? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with what you're paying attention to. A lot of of our activities and what we do has to do with what we first paid attention to. Oftentimes, we're not uh, not really aware as to what we're paying attention to because we're so concerned about petty things. That really don't matter. We're so, we major in the minors. And the things that really matter get put in the back burner. That's exactly what the enemy would love for you to do. Major in the minors. And if we could start paying attention to all the little things that don't matter, the things that do matter will pass right by us. So today I want to start a series that I, I honestly don't know how long it'll go. It'll go for a few weeks. But I know, I know one thing is for sure, that God is calling us to, be, to pay very close attention to the vices and the virtues that happen in our lives. So this morning's message is entitled, What Has Your Attention? What Has Your Attention? Just for clarity, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians. And I want to talk to you about vices and virtues. And so what I thought was, as you turn to Colossians, New Testament, and we look at vices and virtues, I want us to understand what the, what the words actually mean. And so I don't mean to insult some, some of you, maybe even most of you know what both those words mean. But I want to make sure that we are all on the same page. And so as I looked up the definition for vice and virtue, the definition for vice is the immoral or wicked behavior, right? It's a noun for immoral or wicked behavior. Vices are the things that cause you to act in such a manner, right? The vices, those things that, that clamp onto your life, and, and practically, they cause you, those vices cause you to have immoral or wicked behavior. Right? Who's with me so far? And then we have virtue. Virtue is that, that, that thing that you allow in your life or behavior that shows moral standards. 
hearts. So if you're a moral person, you're a person that believes and has a high standard, you, you kind of put yourself at a place where I really want to be a, not just a good person, but a God person, right? My prayer today is not that you would walk out of here a good person, but my prayer would be that you would walk out a godly person. Here's the difference. You say, Pastor Tony, but aren't godly people supposed to be good? Yes, but the world doesn't understand that. Because there are some godly people that do godly things that the world looks at them and say, you're evil. There are some godly people that do amazing godly things that the world will look at you and say, you are evil, you are this and you are that and you are conniving and you are racist and you're a bigot and you are this and you are that. Why? Because I believe in godly principles. So no... Just because you're godly doesn't mean you're goodly. <laughs> like Pastor Tony made up a new word again. <laughs> but, but I think you get what I'm saying, right? The world will interpret a certain way. But I'm here to tell you that vices are immoral, wicked behavior. And virtues are behavior that show a moral standard. And you have to decide which one you're going to pay attention to. So watch this. There are two polar opposites because vices shows that you're captured by the world where virtues shows that you're captivated by Christ. Some of y'all need to take a picture of that, Snapchat it, or whatever you want to do right now. Because I'm telling you right now, there are some people that live in the vices every day of their life. They're captured by the world. They want the world's attention. They want, the, they want, all the, they want everyone to notice them. They want everybody to know what they do, when they do it, why they do it. They, want, they, they, will, get on, they will go online just to scrub their face and wash their face in the morning. They'll go on, they'll, they'll go on there just to, just to say, hey, what shirt should I wear? They, they just captured by getting the world's love and attention. Everybody knows somebody like that, right? Nobody pointing fingers. I'm just saying. How many, ever, how many have you ever been online? And not just online, but let's just use that one for an example for a moment. And people post the dumbest things and you're like, you are so screaming for attention. Right? Some of you have co-workers. Come on now. Now you're like, uh-oh, now you Pastor Tony, don't make me say amen. Some of you have co-workers that say things just to get somebody's attention. Just to get somebody to agree with them or like them. They just want somebody. And let me tell you something. That's being captured by the world. You're just so captured by people. But are you captivated by the love of God and the love of Christ in your life. What are you paying attention to? What are you wanting to pay attention to? See, both of these mean something or something else has gotten your attention. So whether you are wanting to be loved by the world or being loved by Christ, you notice something else is bigger than you. So most of us would want to love like, raise your hand if you would like to love like Christ loves. Care like Christ cares. Forgive like Christ forgives. Uh-oh, so less hands, a lot of hands went down there for a second. They went, yeah, I like people, but I don't love them or forgive them. 
Most of us would, would want to do those things, but, but you have to realize something. Now watch this. If you want to love like Christ loved, you might have to go through some things that Christ went through. If you want to care like Christ cares, you're going to have to go through some things that Christ went through. I'm not talking about the cross, but it'll feel like it sometimes when you have to forgive someone. Listen, what happens is we take things personal and we don't love like Christ loved, care like Christ cares, forgive like Christ forgives because we keep our eyes on the cause and not on the effect of us holding on to it. Sometimes we hold on to the cause. Cause this person hurt me. Cause they said this. Because they did this. And they don't realize the effect of that is so beyond the cause. That the effect of it is actually affecting your soul. You with me? That's what I mean when I'm talking about you holding on to the cause more than the effect. Because the longer you hold on to the cause, the longer the effect holds on you. I'm going to say this over here because some of y'all didn't get it. The longer we hold on to the cause, the longer the effect holds on to us. The effect of unforgiveness will hold on a lot longer to us the longer we hold on to the cause. So God is asking you, let go of the cause and grab a hold of my cause. Because my cause comes free. My cause comes with uh, uh, the power of the resurrection of Jesus. So we don't love like he does. We don't forgive like he does. And we don't see things like he does. But my desire is that we would on this journey. How many want to be there? See, now all we have to do now is shift our focus from what we were paying attention to to what we should be paying attention to. And on that journey, on that voyage, on that expedition, to have the image of Jesus stamped in our hearts. Can I tell you something? I had an entirely different message lined up for this morning because I was like, I don't think this message is ready. I don't know, Lord. I don't Maybe I'll wait another week and we'll just start vices and virtues next week. And I'm, and then the Lord just kept prompting me, no, go to Colossians and tell them what I said. And I'm like, okay, God, can I tell you something? I'm looking at this passage going, Lord, help me to dissect myself every day that I would do what I'm telling you to do because there are times I don't feel like it because it's easier to pay attention to the things that hurt us than the things that wants to heal us. It's easier to pay attention to the people and the things that hurt us because now we have a license to bite. Who's with me? Who understands what I'm saying? When you hold on to unforgiveness, you have a license to bite. What does that mean? That means we by nature understand that if you hit me, I now have the right to. That's not. Okay, the kids are out of the room. Be honest. Okay? Kids are gone. They're learning about Moses or something back there. 
Okay. You shall not pass. Let's be honest, real talk, right here. You hit me, so. Okay, you'd be like, Pastor Tony, eye for an eye. I'm just an Old Testament kind of person. I just believe in the Old Testament that if you punch me, I will punch you in the throat in Jesus' name. I'm very religious. I don't just punch people. I punch people in Jesus' name. Right? But, but let, let me implore you. It's very easy for us to hold on a reason to bite back or fight back, however you want to phrase it. Because when we get hurt, hurt people hurt people. And that's natural. But it takes a different kind of person to take, to take something that can become a vice and ask God to turn it into a virtue. So this morning, what I'm asking you is are you willing to allow God to take a vice, set you free, and give you something to live for, a virtue worth dying for? So before we rush into the do's and don'ts, let's go back a few verses on chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. See, because my focus was going to be on verse 5, but I don't like to read a verse and then like just preach on a verse sometimes because you have to understand the context of that verse. Uh, and so let's look at that for a moment, if you would. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Follow with me, if you would. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. Everybody say, set your hearts on things above. Okay. And then it says, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then it says, set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Let me stop there for a moment because it says, when Christ, who is your life, who is he talking to then? Who is he talking to? Christians, right? Believers? He doesn't tell the world that doesn't know Jesus, hey, Christ, you know, your Savior. No, he's talking to believers who understand that they follow a savior. They follow a rule of law. They follow uh, um, the, the Christ and the king. And so he, says, so he says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And then the command is this. Put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, Put to death anything that opposes the word of God and is part of your earthly nature, whatever belongs to it. And then he begins to go into our living rooms and for some people into their computers and cell phones. And he says, for example, sexual immorality. 
impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now he starts to list these things out. Now it gets real personal. Some of you are like, yes, let's, let's, let's set our hearts and, and, and let's set our minds and then put to death. That, that took a turn. But they're one and the same. Because if you set your heart and your mind right, the things that come into your life that are not of God will be toxic in your life and will cause you to develop, look at me, vices, not virtues. The things that the enemy praises will bring vices. The things that God praises, look at me, will bring virtues. So those of you looking at this text, I need you to understand something. When, when Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, he's being very clear. Listen, he's saying, this greed, this is idolatry. And because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. This, mess, this whole text is packed with so much. I don't even have the time to go into all of it. But here's what I will do. I'll share with you just a few thoughts on each of the three things that I believe this message really brings to the surface. And here it is. You ready? Number one, first, we must set our hearts on things above. We must set our hearts on things above. Why should we set our hearts? On things above. Because we understand one thing that our heart is desperately wicked. Yes? Our heart is desperately wicked. What we set our hearts on are the things that we practice. I believe that we must clearly define what it is that your heart looks for. The things that your heart looks for, that's what you end up practicing in your life. For example, that's why people make very strong decisions based on what they feel their heart is tugging them towards. Now raise your hand if you've ever said, I really feel in my heart I'm supposed to do X. Right? Fill in the blank, whatever it is. How many of you ever said that? For the rest of you, be honest. How many of you have ever said to yourself, I feel in my heart I'm supposed to fill in the blank. Raise your hand if you've ever said that. If you've ever started a sentence in that way, shape, or form, right? I think we've all, at some point in time, why? Because you've, what you've done is that you have set in your heart what you feel like you should do. And you feel now you should put that into practice. Now I feel like I should blank. Right? Even when your friends look at you and go, that is the worst idea I have ever heard. Some of you are laughing because that just happened maybe last week. So it's real fresh for you. So you, some of you, maybe it's a nervous laughter. I don't know. But some of you are smiling at me like, don't look at me too long, Pastor Tony. I don't, don't look at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't look at me too long. Yeah, that's all right. Just keep it moving. 
But if we're honest, some of you have friends that looked at you and said, okay, I love you, so I'm going to tell you the truth. That is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. Don't do that. And you're like, why? That's a great idea. Absolutely give this person I never met $3,000 because they said I can become a millionaire in two weeks. Absolutely. I feel in my heart. I feel in my, what? They ripped my whole bank account off. But I felt in my heart. Now my heart hurts. I think I had a heart attack. You follow what I'm saying? Some of you are like, how long is he going to talk like that? You felt in your heart a certain way, so you practiced it, and you moved it right into your practice realm. God is like, stop acting on your heart and start acting on my word. When you walk in obedience, it will oppose the heart in many ways because our heart only wants what we want in the flesh. Our heart is wicked. It likes the flesh. Our heart and the flesh, they're like cousins. They, 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 co- they coordinate whatever they can to hang out and get together and stay connected. But the word of God and the spirit of God says there's some things that just are not your heart and they're not for you to practice. So when he says, set your heart on things above, well, you know what he's saying? Stop making it about this earth and the things on this earth because the things that I care about are the things that have eternal value. You with me? So stop setting your heart on things of this earth. Set your heart on things above and stop relying on what you feel is a good idea. Trust me. The second, um, how many ever heard this set it and forget it? How many ever heard this set it and forget it? Like you just put this in there and set it and forget it. It'll take care of itself. A lot of times, that's exactly what we try to do spiritually in our lives. We're like, I'm just going to believe that and then just keep moving. And God is like, you said it and it has forgotten you. Because it is not my plan. And it is going to destroy my plan for your life. So don't set it and forget it. Trust God and forget what just your heart wants to do. Because our heart, man, will put us in bad positions. Paul tells us to set our hearts on what honors heaven, not the cause of this earth. Second, we must set our minds on things above. Now listen, the mind is where we process. The mind is where we process. And what you think of and how often you shape your belief, point blank, is happening in your mind every single day. Your mind is a battlefield of gargantuan proportions. Every single day you have thoughts that run through your mind and you have to decide whether it's going to park there or you're going to keep moving. Every single day. That's why he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What you think of and how often you think of it will shape your belief. Listen, if you realize that what you think of often would become either a vice or a virtue, would you be more careful as to what you think about? 
Because some of you desperately, look at me, some of you desperately want a breakthrough in your life, but you keep thinking about the very thing that is a vice. You keep thinking about it. You keep going back to it. You keep leaning on it. Some people in this world, they continuously are leaning on their identity being found in, other, in relationships, their identity being found on money, their job, even their sexuality, whatever that looks like. If you, think, if you are telling yourself, I need to get past this, but all you do is feed your mind the same things over and over again, that fuel that, no wonder you're not out of that mindset. You feed the dog you want to keep alive and you starve the one that doesn't. You feed the dog. Listen, feed your spirit, man. Feed the things that you know God wants from you. So what we must do is set our mind on things above. That is to say what you process every single day. Jesus made this clear when he flipped the script on those that were following him. And he said, he that thinks upon a woman lustfully. Now we get New Testament perspective here. Now all of a sudden it's what I think about that matters. Not just what I practice. What you process is, is just as important as what you practice. That's what Jesus was saying, right? What you process in your mind is just as important as what you practice. Allow the right things to process and the right things will work into practice. Now the third thing we must put to death, whatever belongs to earthly nature. You know what that means? Remove what is toxic. Remove those things that are not helpful. The Bible uses different metaphors and word pictures, and the word put to death, the actual word in, in the original language means to deprive of power, to deprive of power. What does that mean? Paul is encouraging believers not to let their, um, their desires have power over them. So when he's saying put to death, you know what he's saying? Deprive it of power. Deprive it of authority in your life. Deprive it from having access, follow me now, to the things in your life. So from the youngest to the oldest in this room, you have to decide what has power over you. The things that you know are not of God, put it to death. Decide that it has no power over you or your family or your kids or your spouse. Who's with me on that one? In this day and age in which we live, we must come to a place where we said enough is enough. I need to put to death the very things that I know are affecting my family and I'm not going to accept it anymore. I'm not going to accept it. The desires of the body that we're deprived of that power. That's why he starts talking about sexual immorality and impurity and passion and evil desire and covetousness. Listen, they're all in the same family. You realize how he started? He didn't hit all kinds of topics. He hit a lot of the same topic. Why? Because Colossae was processing that and it was toxic. The church in Colossae had a problem. The church in Colossae had a process, practice, toxic problem. Why? Because they were thinking about things that were not right. 
they were feeling things that weren't right and they were acting upon things that were not right and that was all toxic to the body and now it's affecting the body and Paul is saying, stop, stop, put to death, take the authority off of it because it has authority over you right now. Sexual immorality is impure love. I'm going to say that loud for everyone to hear it. Sexual immorality or sex outside of marriage or sex between two men and two women that is impure, that, my friends, is impure lust. It is impure. It's not right. It's unbiblical. And you know what? People want to go ahead and say, you know what, Pastor Tony, you should be a little more sensitive. No, I'm being super sensitive right now to the word of God. And I will never apologize to that. Pastor Tony, but we should love people. Yes, we should love it enough to tell the truth. Stop sugarcoating this. Passion can lead to evil desire if that passion is ill-directed. It will leave you in pain and leave you void of all strength. I don't want to go any further. I don't want to go anywhere or do anything. All of a sudden, you're stripped of every bit of fight in you. Why? Because you have something toxic in you. Your body. When something toxic reaches your bloodstream, something happens to the body. It starts to shake. It starts to do and feel pain it didn't feel before because something foreign has made its way in. And the world and its mindset, look at me now, the world and the mindset is foreign to the kingdom folk like us. If you're saying, Pastor Tony, I'm not a Christian right now. I am not standing here to judge anybody that believes a po- a- a different than me. What I am saying is that I have made a decision to follow Jesus and he's made it clear to me as I followed him that the closer I get to him, the more free I am in Christ. And that's a beautiful thing. So what are you paying attention to? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earth. You know what he said? Whatever belongs to your earthly nature. In other words, that's not yours. You know what he's saying? Give it back. You ever had something for so long that you kind of thought it was yours by now? Or maybe you lent something out to someone that they've had it for so long that they probably think it's theirs. (laughs) some of you know what I'm talking about, right? That tool, you were like, I gave it to you 12 years ago. That's my tool. You just never gave it back. You were still waiting to get it done. That's my tool. Look, my name's on it. You know what he's saying? Give it back. You don't want that desire. It belongs to your earthly nature. Give it back. You're a different person. You are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. When you came to Christ, you are his and you are being used for his glory and you're going to be used for his glory and you're going to be used to do great and marvelous things. How many are grateful for that today? Amen. 
God is, God wants, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. We don't want to give it back. Because we're so good at it by now. But I got to buy a new one. This one is working so well. They don't need it. Says you. You know what God is saying? Put off the old and put on the new. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 uses the words put off the old and put on the new, talking about uh, clothe yourselves. And we even see later in this passage of Colossians where it says clothe yourselves. What does that mean? To clothe yourself is what everybody else is seeing. What everybody else is seeing. Right? Put on what everybody, so everybody could see what it is that you're supposed to be carrying. See, Psalm 93 says God is pictured as being robed in majesty. Do you think like robed in majesty was a bad thing? No, robed in majesty is a beautiful thing. Isaiah 61.10 says that he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. Put it on. Friends, look at me. Put on the robe of righteousness. Put on, put on the garment of salvation. Put, put on the things that God has called you to put on, but don't put on the things that the world wants you to put on. In addition, Paul says this, Jesus is our life, our breath, our hope, our strength. He is everything. But he goes on to say in verse 5, he says, therefore, therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, ask God what it's there for. Mm, that was a Bible school joke. Therefore, what? Why is, what is going on here? Therefore, that means that what has been said is the reason for what's about to be said. You with me? And then he says this, and I read it earlier. Because you've set your minds, excuse me, because you set your hearts, verse 1, and because you set your minds, verse 2, Put to death, therefore, right? Whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Because all that he's done for us, he's done for us so that we can return to him our lives. Let me kind of wrap this up for a moment if you don't mind. The things that God is requiring some of us to willing be willing to change and change isn't easy raise your hand if change is easy for you anybody is change easy for anybody it's not it really isn't change isn't easy growth isn't easy transformation isn't easy either but you know what can be easy a decision to say yes it starts with just the willingness to say yes yes to Jesus Put to death, therefore, what belongs to your earthly nature. Taken literally, you know what he's saying? Because it can seem harsh. Set your heart, set your mind. Put to death. But you know what? Because I set my heart and my mind, when I put that to death, I don't have another choice. 
I put that to death because my heart and my mind already made a decision. Why it seems rough is because we want to hold on to it. But if your heart and your mind is on him, we will gladly put to death anything that doesn't honor him. Let me ask you a question. If you really want to honor Christ, putting to death what makes him hurt, is it that what the goal is? If it ruins your relationship with Christ, you want to be more like him? Isn't the very thing that harms your relationship? Take it, for instance, with your spouse. If you love your spouse, your mind is on your spouse, your heart is on your spouse, you care about your spouse, and if something you say hurts them, for you to say, hey, I have the right to say it. Or do you step back and go, what's more important, winning the battle or winning my spouse back? Winning the fight or winning my spouse? Winning the relationship? By all intents and purposes, winning the relationship is more important. So I should step back and go, that hurt you? I got to rethink how I say that. I got to rethink that altogether. Because I don't want to hurt the person I love. Some of you have been directly affected by cancer and chemotherapy. And I thought about that this week as I was preparing this. The body is doused in radiation and treatments and hopes that it would destroy that cancer. But the difficult part is that the body takes its toll too. There's going to be moments that you're going to feel like you're taking it spiritually, if I can flip that for a moment. When you start to try to get rid of those things, it's going to feel like it's ripping but if you keep your focus and your heart, and what are you paying attention to? God can walk you through that. Amen? Now, I want to, sh- sh- for a moment, I want to, I-, I love what Pastor Corey said sometime recently. He said, you know, you- you're planted, not buried. And I think about for a moment, a seed. That seed, before that seed it can become a tree or a bush or a plant the seed has to die so that something else would live and it was such a beautifully uh, put illustration that I thought I'd just repeat that for a moment and realize that you are planted not buried there's life on the other side And if you would, I'd like to bring a story as I land this, as I close these remarks here this morning. A message that I believe we all need to hear. But it's a a man by the name of James Harrison. James Harrison found out that his blood plasma carried a rare antibody that could treat a rare blood disease in kids. In fact, he was 18 when he first discovered this medical insight. One day he decided to make a difference and he donated blood every week for the next 63 
years of his life. By the age of 81, it's believed that he saved over, saved or helped 2.4 million lives. You don't know who James Harrison was when you walked into this room. But I'm telling you that this man right here, for every week of his life, went in and gave so that somebody else would have life. There's no song that goes this power in the plasma, but can I, can I, can I just exercise this for a moment? That his decision to give of himself every week for 63 years was a decision that was made one time every time he went in for 63 years. We don't make a one decision time to serve and follow Jesus. It's an everyday thing every single time something faces us. You know that sometime one week he had something that would have probably happened and he'd be like, you know what, I don't really want to do this anymore. But you know what happened? I'm still going to go in for 63 years. 2.4 million lives were affected. You know what had his attention? Somebody was going to benefit at the other end. So let me ask you this question. What has your attention? What has your attention? Is it a vice or is it a virtue? So let me circle all the way back to the beginning. The title of this message. What has your attention? Because you are being directed by a vice or a virtue, like it or not. Either you being led by the Spirit, and the Spirit is showing you what to do next. And don't make it spooky or weird. Being led by the Spirit is not goosebumps and, you know, jumping around. Oh, that person must be touched by the Spirit just because they're jumping. No, they, you know, they're just excited maybe. Who knows? But, but that doesn't mean that that person is more excited than me. Right? But what are you paying attention to? Is it a vice or is it a virtue? Are you thinking about the things that have captured the world or have captivated you to Christ? Today, make a decision to be captivated by Christ and his love for us. All across this room, would you bow your heads with me for a moment? What has your attention? See, a disciple and a follower of Jesus decides to follow the will of God above all things. Father, I pray today for every man, woman, boy, and girl that they will come to a place today that they've decided that their decision will help others around them. But most importantly, we can't save somebody else if we ourselves are not right with you. So God, I pray for every person at the sound of my voice that they would put in, into their minds today to set their mind on things above, to, to set their hearts on things above, but also because they have done those things that they would put to death 
de, uh, de, to, to, to dethrone the loyalty to this world and instead be loyal to you. To decide in their lives that this thing will no longer have power over them. Today I pray in Jesus' name, allow them to walk righteous before you. Father, I pray against every vice in this room that is moved upon the people of God and let that vice be broken in the name of Jesus. Set people free today, God, that they will never be the same again. May the virtues and the power of the Holy Spirit be what people live for as they move forward in the power and the resurrection of Jesus. Come on, stand up all across this room one time, if you can. If you can, stand up all across this room. Father, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl that have decided they want to walk in the virtue of Jesus. To walk in that virtue with a moral standard and a moral code that is not given by the world, but only given by you, Jesus. Let them walk righteous before you, I pray, all the days of their life. Come on, if you believe this with me, and you want to have and live a virtuous life, what does that mean? You want to live a life that is right before God, even if it's not right before man. Are you hearing me? That means that you're going to live for God and his approval, not man. If that's what you want, say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus I want to live virtuously for you. I want to honor you with my heart, my mind, my lips, and my hands. And everything that I am and everything that I do, may I honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.